How's it going, Danny? I'm doing good, Tyler. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to see you back across from me. I know, back in the studio. Oh, you're not quarantined. <laughs> nope. Yeah, this is uh, this is Fried Squirms. This week we are going to be continuing on some of our requests with the Rage Carry Two, <laughs> which is going to be a lot of fun. Before we get there, I think we should probably get a little bit high. I know you're sparking up what I brought for you. I'm about to spark up what you brought for me. Yeah, dude. So what I brought you this week as we get our green hits, that's going to be some Golden Goat, which is a cross of Hawaiian Romulan and Mr. Dank's Island Sweet Skunk. You should be getting a little bit of fruity, a little bit of peppery, a little bit of herbal. I had one earlier this weekend. I got more of the peppery than I did the fruity or herbal, but... Yeah, I can definitely taste the peppery side of it. And before I even lit it up, just to you know, get a draw, I even got some of the herbal notes off of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those two kind of come through a little bit more on this particular joint. And what did you say this was again? Because I've, yeah. I've took a little bit of a draw on it, and it tastes fucking fantastic. But. Yeah, so I picked up a J of Tropicana Cookies. I just got oh, stuck on this all day. I, don't, I almost don't even want to light it I up. I know, dude. Like, it has arguably one of the sweetest tastes that I've come across so far in terms of just joints you know what i mean it just kind of lingers on the lips but for those who are curious this particular strain it is a sativa dominant hybrid it clocks in at 70 percent sativa 30 percent indica the ghc range is from 21 to about 25 percent this particular strain clocked in at 23 percent for those who are curious but this strain it is a cross of the infamous girl scout cookies and tangy strains hence some of that tangerine citrusy mm. kind of flavor but the thing I like about this one, because it is a sativa, it helps if you want to be creative, gives you some energy, it helps you focus. You definitely become calm and relaxed on it, and it does make you sociable. It does help people with anxiety and depression, mood swings, nausea, and stress. And yeah, like I said, I got that one here in town from kind of our trusty joints uh, supplier. I know, yeah. I'm liking greener pastures more and more for whenever I want to go pick up some joints, and that's where I picked up that golden goat as well. Just the day before you picked up this shit, I believe. I know, right, man? Yeah, I just I find like the amount that you get and the price for them, it's hard to beat. Well rolled. Yeah. I've ran into that problem a couple places where that shit is rolled way too fucking tight and you can't fucking pull through. Yeah, you have to manipulate it. These are pretty damn trustworthy. There's a few that, you know, you'll catch some off ones, but for the most part, it's pretty reliable. And honestly, every once in a while when I catch an off one, I think it might have been my own goddamn fault for like fucking bending it while I was in a fucking bag or something. Yeah, I mean, shit happens, you know what I mean? But if push comes to shove, I can always break this stuff up, put in a vape or re-roll it in another joint. No big deal. At least they use raw papers, so I'll give them that. That's right. Hell yeah. I'm disappointed with how few places use raw. There's a couple of them. You're right. That do. And at least one that uses on average more often than not kind of a raw knockoff that at least is a bit more of a natural paper but but no you can't go wrong with raws well shit with that i suppose we should just get into the guts and bolts of the rage carry dose guts and bolts all right here we are guts and bolts the rage carry two spoiler free setup a (laughs) I mean, for it's Jesus, it's scary too, right? Like, I know, right? So, a foster kid 
has her best friend commit suicide after being used and abused by some of the jocks at her school and is flung more and more into the possibility of taking revenge with her seemingly latent psychic powers. <laughs> I don't know what I can say and what I can't say that would be a spoiler in this one. Like, it's Carrie 2. <laughs> there you go. Easy setup, right? All right, so from week to week, we talk about the people who go into making the film and the people who are in front of the cameras. And this week, we're going to talk about director Kat Shea, who is a director known for some other works such as Strip to Kill and Strip to Kill Part 2 Live Girls. She also directed Poison Ivy from 1992. She did an episode on Joe Bob's Drive-In Theater back oh. in 1994. Yeah, this is some archive footage. The episode was dated from June 11th, 1994. She also helped with Last Exit to Earth and Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. She's also an actress, or she was at one time. And uh, she actually worked on a Brian De Palma film. She's in Scarface. She's like girl in Tropicana Club or something like yeah, that. Yeah, dude, so... <laughs> There's no coincidence why she has some of the connections she has. Right. And probably worth pointing out now that it was supposed to be directed by Robert Mandel, who quit a week before filming. I know, right? So I was looking through his filmography. He's got some interesting things. Even though he didn't direct this film, technically he did do some shoots, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think some of his big ones that he did are the films FX, which is actually a pretty decent film. He did 1992's School Ties, which is a film I watched a lot in the 90s. I think it gave a lot of people their first breaks. Oh, Matt Damon, uh, yeah. Ben Affleck was in it. Uh, Brendan like, Fraser. Damn, yeah. this is a fucking hell of a It's cast. a good movie, dude. It's not great, but it's a pretty decent film. Fraser, Damon, Affleck, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Cole Hauser. Uh-huh. Anthony Rapp. It's a good movie. Like, it's a pretty decent huh. film about uh, Ivy League schools and Jewish kids. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. All right. He also directed The Substitute from 1996. Like, it's a pretty decent one. He did a shit ton of episodes of Nash Bridges back in 97 through 2000. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Prison Break, I think more recently, and Game of Silence and Dominion back in 2015. So, yeah. It's like, I can see why they pulled him on board, but then, you know, creative differences got in the way. That stuff happens. All right, our cinematographer on this was Donald M. Morgan. And this particular gentleman, he's got some pretty cool works to his name. If you go back and look throughout his filmography, he helped with uh, the Serpico television series back in 76. He also helped with a TV movie. This sounds so bad, but the name definitely is not what the film's about. It says, Daddy, I don't like it like this. <laughs> Right, and I was like, "Hold on, what the name like that?" Right, it's like, "Let me see what the hell this is all about." And what it's really about is about a father who tries to toughen up a son because of neighborhood bullies. And I think somewhere okay. it's a line refrained by the kid because the dad's kind of pushing him to the limits, and he's like, mm -hmm. "Daddy, I don't like it like this." <laughs> I was like, "All right, uh, let's Oof. see." He was the DP on the film Used Cars, another really good film. He was the DP on 1983's Christine, Meatballs Part 2, 1984's Starman. Man, it's a film I can't oh, tell you how many times I've watched. Okay. Born to be Wild from 95. He did, coincidentally, a movie called The Rage back in 97. Oh. Go figure, yeah. Just looking through some of his more recent works, he did stuff like 
Ivory from 2010, and a few episodes of Hercules back in 2005. All right. The writers, of course, Stephen King, some of the characters are based off of his creations, and Raphael Moreau helped with the screenplay. And the only thing really they're known for is the screenplay for the film Hackers oh. back in their yeah, mid-90s. Pretty decent film. Yeah. It weirdly holds up. Or maybe not holds. I don't know. It it's dated, does but, but it, it yeah. does. I mean, some of the messages in it hold up for sure. It does something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, considering. <laughs> All right, the editor on this film is Richard Nord, and Richard, once again, has some really cool works. He was the editor on the film's Passenger 57. You might have seen such things as Species Part 2. Yeah, with the film Body Count, if you've ever seen the film 1114 from, uh, let's see, year 2003. He helped on the film Vendetta back in 2015 and Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase from 2019. All right, the music was composed by Danny B. Harvey. He composed music for such films as Last Exit to Earth, the film Betty Page, Dark Angel, the film The Commune, and the short film Scream Queen. These special effects were done by Kleischer Walchak Construction Company and Digital Effects. Once again, this was produced by Paul Menashe, I believe one of his last films that he helped produce, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Production companies were United Artists. They helped present the film in Red Bank Films. Distributors were United Artists and MGM for the 1999 United States theatrical release. The release date was on March 12th, 1999 here in the States. The budget was an estimated $21 million, and the worldwide gross was 17.76, ironically, 1776 <laughs> million dollars. So it did not match its budget and probably its advertisement and all that stuff. All right, I do have a couple of taglines for this film. The first tagline that I have is, every teen thinks terrible thoughts. Hers are deadly. And the second one is, don't cross her. It could be deadly. Okay. I mean, they're both kind of on the nose. When you were looking up information on people, did you happen to notice if anybody might have had uh, a connection to New Jersey? Dude, I'm glad you brought this up. There's an actor who sounds like a different actor from Jersey I want to bring up in the next section. I'm just curious because one of the production companies is Red Bank Films. There's a Red Bank, New Jersey. But what makes me wonder... We've talked about it before. Like sometimes these production companies are kind of just like set up for the movie to have that sort of legal distancing between some of these people that are throwing in money on the flick. Yeah. Which is why sometimes you get production companies with names that are super specific to the film, right? Exactly. It's um, happened several times. Yeah. This is Red Bank Films. I don't know anything about them. They don't have a fucking Wikipedia link. So I have to assume that they probably haven't done anything else, right? They never really say where this movie is set. But I did notice during one scene that somebody says the address is something, something, something Broad Street. I happen to know that 35 Broad Street, Red Bank, New Jersey, is Jan Silent Bob's secret stash. No shit. Like That's there awesome. is a Broad Street in Red Bank. Huh. Well, I could see that. There's some interesting things about where this was actually filmed, and I'll talk about that once again in the next section as well. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's kind of uh, it's interesting because I had New Jersey on the mind as well for different reasons. <laughs> All right. So moving into the cast, I'm going to lead off with our main actress, and that is Emily Burgle. She plays the lead role of Rachel Lang. And when you look at Emily's filmography, 
She's been in such films as Chasing Sleep back in 2000. She was in the film Happy Campers from 2001. She was in The Hard Easy from 2006. And more recently, she was in the films Blue Jasmine and the short film Miyubi from 2017. Looks like she's been in some episodes of Star Trek Enterprise back Ooh. in 2003 as Bethany and the North Star episode. Pretty cool. Oh, she was in fucking Mindhunter? Yeah, I read that too. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Miss Leland season two. So that was last year. I have to go back and watch that. That was right? the uh, the Atlanta child murders, right? Yeah. I mean, I know I watched them, but I oh. can't place her even though I watched that I know, season. Right? I'd have to okay. think about that yeah. too. It's interesting. But yeah, that's some roles of note for her. All right. Moving ahead. We have a pretty big actor considering the time period. This is Jason London. He plays the role of Jesse Ryan. For those who don't know, I'm always going to know him as Randall Pink Floyd and Dazed and Confused, man. You've got a serious attitude, bro. <laughs> yeah. Jason, once again, twin brother of Jeremy. Sometimes easy to confuse the two, right? I think I probably usually think of Out Cold. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good, what, like snowboard movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. King of the Mountain. mountain it's pretty mountain, good King of the comedy, King man. Of the I've seen it several times. <laughs> Credit Comedy Central used to play it quite a bit. It was pretty cool. Let's see here. He was in an episode of Tales from the Crypt back in 1993. That episode was House of Horror. I thought that was really cool. He was in an episode of The Outer Limits, caught in the act back in 95. He was in Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. He has Bobby Ray. That's pretty cool. The Hound of the Baskervilles, television movie back in 2000. Poor White Trash from 2000 as well. Let's see here. Dracula 2. I don't know anything about this because it's a direct video Dracula 2 Ascension. Hmm. <laughs> 2003's oh, and grind. Dracula 3 Legacy yeah it's like I don't know anything about those Adventures of Johnny Towel it's pretty cool see more recently the film 51 it's pretty interesting he was in Night World back in 2017 oh Dracula 2 and Dracula 3 were sequels to Dracula 2000 interesting Dracula 2000 was it happened and I enjoy Gerard Butler, despite <laughs> him being in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Moving ahead, we have Dylan Bruno plays a role of Mark Bing in this film. Some people might know him because he was in Saving Private Ryan as Private First Class Tonby. He was in the films The Simeon Line. Some people might know him in Going Greek back in 2001. He was in Grand Theft Parsons back in 2003. And he was also in Taken Part 3. Let's hear some television things of note. He was in Hell's Kitchen as himself from 2019. Pretty interesting. A couple episodes of things like uh, Hawaii Five-0, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Grey's Anatomy. So, you know, he's been in a few things here and there. I think probably people know him as Special Agent Colby Granger in Numbers for 93 episodes. All right, dude. So I'm not going to lie. I think it's probably a fucking piece of shit movie. But one day we might have to watch Dracula 3 Legacy because this cast is nutty. Fucking Jason Scott Lee. Hmm. Rutger Hauer as Dracula. Jason London. Fucking Roy Scheider. Damn, no kidding. Yeah, dude. Roy Scheider. Wow. Jason London. (laughs) Like For those four alone, I'd be kind of like, I'm not opposed. It can't be that damn bad. (laughs) All right. Moving forward, we have J. Smith Cameron. She plays the role of Barbara Lang in this film, which is Rachel Lang's mother. She's been in such things as A Mighty Aphrodite from 95. She was in Harriet the Spy in 96 as Mrs. Welsh. Some people might have seen her in The First Wives Club in 96. 
She was in the film You Can Count on Me in 2000. She was on Man on a Ledge back in 2012. I watched First Wives Club. Yeah. I don't remember it that well. I don't think I've seen it since 97. I can't say I've ever seen it. Uh, let's see, more recently, she was in the film Nancy in 2018. She was in a lot of stuff in television. I think more notably, let's see here, True Blood as Melinda Mickens from 2010 through 11 for nine episodes of that. And Rectify in 2013 through 16 and 30 episodes as Janet Talbot. So, yeah. All right. We have a reprising person from last week. And when I'm even reprising, she's reprising her role as Sue Snell. And I'm talking about Amy Irving because we did talk about her last week in Carrie, the original. So uh, just a few things of note. The Fury was actually a film I was looking at. It's kind of scoping on eBay this week. It's got a pretty cool thing. She was in Yentl, Mickey and Maud, the singing voice of Jessica Rabbit and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, stuff like that. Uh, an American Tale, Five Will Goes West. We talked about that kind of stuff. She was the wife of, um, who would I say, Steven Spielberg, right? That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, so some really cool things. Like I said, it's neat to see her back. She's really the only person who uh, came back from the original, even though there's some snippets from the original. Yeah. Okay. Moving forward, I have Zachary Ty Bryan. <laughs> I'm like, wow, dude. You can tell this is totally 90s. Oh, shit. He plays the role of Eric Stark. No relation to Tony Stark that I'm aware of. <laughs> Best known, of course, as Brad Taylor in Home dude. Improvement. Yeah, that's where I'm always going to remember him from. We don't almost don't have to mention yeah. anything else. because No. Let's see. Just the only other thing, if you're a 90s kid, you've probably seen First Kid. He was in that. Oh, yeah. Right? And more recently, he was in the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift as Clay back in 2006. A few things from television. A lot of one-off episodes. Nothing really continuous, though. Nope. But, yeah, always going to be Brad. (laughs) Home Improvement. There was, like, some kind of crossover show that I think he was a part of for a little bit. Okay. But I can't remember the name of it. Just kind of came across it over the weekend. All right, we have, this is kind of interesting. The guy's name is John Doe. He plays the role of Boyd, which is the foster father of Rachel in this film. And part of the reason to bring him up, I mean, now he has been in film, and I'll name a few things of credit, but that's really not his claim to fame. No. But he was in such things as Great Balls of Fire, where he played Jerry Lee Lewis's cousin turned father-in-law, which is a whole different story. <laughs> He played the role of J.W. Brown, right? He was also in uh, Roadside Profits and Pure Country back in 92. In the short film Lone Greasers, he was also in like Roadhouse, Vanishing Point, Boogie Nights, Wyatt Earp, The Outsiders, Broken Down Palace. Like said, television, he was in Carnival. I can't tell you how many times I brought that up now. And Wizards of Waverly Place. But he's actually a musician, and he's known as one of the co-founders of the L.A. punk band X, right? So he's pretty influential guy in the punk scene. And uh, he's also associated with the acts, the Flesh Eaters, the Knitters. He worked with Eddie Vedder and Jesse Dayton. So he's been an active guy in the punk scene. Also, Great Balls of Fire is a fantastic bio. It is. Isn't, uh, don't tell me his name, Dennis Quaid. Yep. Yep. I've seen it. It's good. It's, it's actually a, a really good biopic. <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> it was weird. There was a stretch from like maybe... The latter part of the 70s, all the way up through some of the early 90s, where there were like these biopic films, and they all killed, man. Yeah. The La Bamba movie killed. Oh, La Bamba's great. Well, who was it? Gary Busey. He played, mm. uh, it'll come to me. But anyhow, yeah, there was just a string of, of movies, a slew of those films. But yeah, it was cool that he's in that. Buddy Holly. He was Buddy Holly. 
That's right. That's <laughs> right. The Buddy Holly story. Yeah, that's what it was. Holy shit. Yeah, I knew it would come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving forward, we have Charlotte Ayana, who plays the role of Tracy Campbell. And this actress, she's known in, for being in such films as Jawbreaker, where she played the role of Elizabeth Liz Purr. She was also in the films Love the Hard Way. You might have seen her in Training Day back in 2001. She was in the 2001 film Kate and Leopold. You might have seen her in 2002's film Spun and 2006 The Insatiable. Now, she's also been in some television stuff. She was in 1995 and 1996's Weird Science, which I actually used to watch. Yeah, me too. It was actually pretty decent. I liked it. There was a whole different story I'll get into. <laughs> Part of the reason why I really liked it, but... Some other things to note, she was on the Steve Harvey show for an episode back in 96. She was on a couple of episodes of The Secret World of Alex Mack, another show I used to watch, believe it or not, and uh, 2004 episode Date Night of Entourage. Yeah, so pretty interesting. I also read that she was like Miss Teen as well, and she wore like a $37 gown and won it. So I was like, damn. Yeah. No, interesting thing. I mean, I know there's a little side nugget, but I did read that she was also like a foster home kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting because that's complete opposite of what her character is in this film. <laughs> All right, moving forward, I have Rachel Blanchard. She plays the role of Monica Jones in this film. Some things of note from Rachel, outside of the fact that she is a Canadian actress, <laughs> she's been in uh, such things as The Wild Dogs back in 2002, Without a Paddle from 2004. She was on Snakes on a Plane back in 2006. Let's hear she was in Open House and Daydream Nation back in 2010. Uh, Road Trip? Yeah, dude. Road Trip, such a good film. Man, that movie's good. (laughs) I think before we even talked about this episode, you know, I mentioned that I remember her because she, like, she played Alicia Silverstone's, yeah, character from Clueless. When they did the TV TV show. show, Right. Which did, I think, three seasons. Mm -hmm. The first season was on the TJIF lineup, so I definitely watched the first season. Awesome. I don't know if I ever saw seasons two or three. I watched a few episodes here and there, but I never really kept up with it. But more importantly, she was on Are You Afraid of the Dark? Dude, that's the big one. I was like, oh, yeah, because when you look at it now, like I said, she's a product of Canada. She was on it from 90 through 93, where she played the role of Kristen. Now, she was one of the main members. Speaking of Canada, she was on The Kids of Degrassi Street back in mm. 84 and 85. And another show I brought up a lot. So if you are a Canadian listener, you probably know the show, The Littlest Hobo. <laughs> Actually, dude, I was so curious about that because we've brought it up so many times. I watched a trailer for the intro. Yeah. And reading comments, people are like, oh, this brings back so many memories. And... <laughs> Just make a long story short, because I brought this up so many times, it's about a dog, a German shepherd, who goes from town to town, hence why he's the littlest hobo, but he's usually helping the town folk. Somehow there's something going on, mm-hmm. he helps, and then he goes on his way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. It was on for a while, and it had different iterations. Like, there was one from the 70s, 80s, huh. maybe even 90s. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, so um, Rachel Blanchard. Uh, another thing, too, because I mentioned this to you, I remember her from Flight of the Concords as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was also in Fargo back in 2014. Cool, man, yeah. All right, another actress very familiar with, Mina Savari. She plays the role of Lisa Parker in this film. Some things of note. Probably the first thing I remember her from, actually, is American Pie. Yeah, yeah, which 
makes sense because there's another actor in it who will bring up here in just a moment. Another film of note, 1999's American Beauty. She was in 2000's Losers, a film I watched a lot. I actually like that movie. Yeah, I was about to say, I've actually watched That's a really good film. A few times, I like that movie a lot. (laughs) She was also in American Virgin from 2000. She was in American Pie, where she replies her role once again in 2001. Let's see here. She was in the 2002 film Spun once again. Wow, this is actually pretty interesting. She voiced Aerith Gainsborough in Final Fantasy VII Advent Children for the English language version. It's like, that's pretty cool. She played Sarah Bowman in 2008's Day of the Dead, if you've ever seen that. And more recently, she was in The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson, where she actually played Nicole Brown Simpson. (laughs) They they did a fucking movie, The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson? Yeah, dude. I didn't watch this. The film presents an alternative theory of who her killer could have been. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good luck. If I did it. Uh, <laughs> I'll rest my case. All right. I was going to say, I didn't see this particular season of it, but I did watch several seasons of it, and that's American Horror Story. She was actually Elizabeth Short in Return to Murder House in the Apocalypse mm. season. I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty interesting. Never did see that. I might have to go back and watch it now. Maybe. Look, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just looked up this murder of Nicole Brown Simpson, and some people, you know, have a look to them. Yeah. No matter how they actually live, they kind of look all strung out and like... Mina Suvari has that a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, This yeah. entire cast, dude. Mina Suvari, Nick Stahl, and Taryn Manning all in Ooh. the same movie together. Wow. Yeah. Like, they Ooh. all look like they're on drugs all of the time, even though I'm guessing they're probably not with how... Speaking of Carnival and Nick Stahl, I did read... This is... I mean, this is not like a secret or a rumor or anything like that. This is news. It's, he went missing for a long fucking time. Oh. I'm pretty sure he's strung out. Yeah. Because I know he's going to do some shit. And it's unfortunate because he's a really good actor. But he looks like that anyway, though. Even when he's healthy, <laughs> he looks kind of strung out. Yeah, because he's he's kind of a frail kind of guy, gaunt kind of looking mm-hmm. dude. That's crazy. That's a really methy looking cast. <laughs> I know. And you said, who else was it? Uh, Taryn Manning, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, I know who she is. Yeah. And I'm like, she's actually, she's a pretty girl, but she always looks like she's kind of strung out. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Which is unfortunate. Like, because she kind of plays those roles, too. Mm-hmm. You know? She's a great actress, yeah. considering. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty... Main oh, that's... Char- the main character in Britney Spears' Crossroads. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, anyway, okay. I can't believe that movie even if fucking exists, though. That's... Uh, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving forward. Here's a guy we've actually talked about before. I didn't write down what episode it was. I can't remember which numbered episode, but... Elijah Craig plays the role of Chuck Potter. He's like one of the jocks in this film. Not really a big central character. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. But the reason why we bring him up is because he's the director of Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That's fucking bonkers, too. I was like, oh, that's pretty damn dope. So you have a director who's also known as an actor on this movie. Yeah. And an actor in it <laughs> that went on to become a really good director. Yeah. Go figure, right? But, you know, it just shows you the connections people have, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it helps launch other paths, which is really cool. Some other things of note, as an actor, mind you, he was in Space Cowboys back in 2000 as Young Hawk. 
in Little Evil, which he actually directed as well mm-hmm. as a Derby official from 2017. So, yeah, it's pretty cool to see him have a role in this. Another actor which we've kind of alluded to because of another film that we've talked about, American Pie, but Eddie K. Thomas plays Arnie in this God film. Damn shipwreck. I <laughs> know, right? It's like, damn, Paul Finch, shipwreck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Stifler's mom. <laughs> A lot. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and which is funny because when I think about that actress, because she always plays that kind of character in the first mm-hmm. place, she's like, she's a really good actress, man. And she's like in the troupe with A Mighty Wind and uh, First yeah. Show and all that shit, right? So it's funny to see her in all those films. All right. But ADK Thomas, a few things of note, like we've already mentioned, Paul Finch and all the American Pie films. Another film I have to mention, I don't know how many times we'll mention it, but I love the film. I know it gets panned all the time as Freddie Got Fingered because he plays Frederick Freddie Brody. That's right. Tom Green's brother in the film. And he didn't get fingered, so spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, other things of note, too, if you've ever seen any of the Harold and Kumar films, he plays Andy Rosenberg. He explains what the Blumpkin is. It's awesome. So good. He will also play Jesus in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Have you ever seen that film? That's here. And more recently, he was in Shattered Memories, a TV movie from 2018, and Alex and the List back in 2017. He's been in several things in terms of television. Let's see here, he did 39 episodes of Till Death back in 2006 through 2008. More recently, Things You Shouldn't Say Past Midnight, five episodes in 2014. And he did an episode. Oh, he's one of the main roles on Scorpion. Yeah, I just saw that too. Yeah, ninety three episodes. Good for him, man. Like, see, he's a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, another thing I, I do have to mention. Another thing I might get made fun of. I don't care. <laughs> is uh, he was in Three Eleven's flowing video oh. back in ninety nine. Well, it's from ninety nine Sound System album, which okay. I like that album a lot, man. I know not everybody likes them, but there's a few jams I like by them. All right. Last but not least, I do have Stephen Ford. And Stephen Ford is Coach Walsh in this. Why do I bring him up? Well, I mean, aside from the fact that he's an actor, but some people might know him because he is the son of former U.S. President Gerald Ford and former First Lady Betty Ford. I would say I mostly know him as being Lieutenant Willie from Starship Troopers. That is pretty wild, man. Yeah, he was also in Escape from New York. Pretty interesting in 81 when Harry met Sally back in 89. He was in the film Heat as Officer Bruce in 95. If you've ever seen the film Contact in 97, he played Major Russell. He was in Armageddon in 98 as a nuke tech. And more recently, 2001's Black Hawk Down as Cribs and 2007 Transformers as a four-star general. That was his final film role. Pretty interesting, man. Yeah, so that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a setup. We should give you some warnings. Warning, super 90s. <laughs> really 90s. Yeah, it gave me all the nostalgias. <laughs> also warning. There's a little bit of female violence once again. There's mm-hmm. there's some slapping once again. <laughs> there's some actually pretty decent moments of gore. It's towards the back end of the film, right? So if you're kind yeah. of averse to some gore, some of it's special effects driven, you know, visual effects that is, some CG here and there. So that includes blood and stuff like that as well. 
I don't think there's, there's some sexual stuff. We do have to mention that. Stuff, but I don't think there's any actual nudity like there no, is in the original. No, no, I agree with you there. And there's some stuff mentioned in my notes about that stuff. But oh, you actually you language know what? this would violence. probably be rated the BN for brief nudity because you see your ass. Yeah, exactly. But hmm, I'm trying to think of anything else before we get into this. Not that I can think of. Yeah, no. And, and if it does, we'll tell you about it before we get to it. Yeah. So let's get into it and find out how the Rage Carry 2 made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right. So before we talk about the Rage Carry 2, there's a one thing I have to say left over from last week that I feel is still germane because fuck it, this is carry double week apparently. How did we not mention the fucking getting crucified orgasm? That's a good point, yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about it in that sense. But I know what you're saying, because it definitely <laughs> happened. I think we kind of just not skimmed over it, per se, but we didn't really talk about it in depth. I mean, Piper Laurie's fucking wow. acting is so over the top anyway that, like... Yeah, that was her last nut. <laughs> anyway, I just really wanted to say crucified orgasm, to be honest. Oh, that's a good excuse for it, because <laughs> it's very appropriate. <laughs> Considering, like I said, it's the second week of Carrie. Yeah, and orgasms fit into this one. It does. Just in a much different way. It's not the mom repressing all of her sexual want into religious fervor. <laughs> no, this is a part of a game. That's right. So, the rage carry to... Had you seen this before? I think I made mention of it last week that one of my buddies back in Spartanburg, whenever we hung out, he was kind of a fan of... Films kind of along these lines, right? Not necessarily your mainstream. Some that kind of got looked over, but he kind of latched onto films like these. And I think during the time period we were watching films together, I was more into, and I'm going to sound like a nerd here and a bit of a snob, but you know, I was getting into more of the, like the European, the Fulci's and Argento's and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So it's was kind of like not really paying attention to films like this. So when we played them, I was kind of passively watching them. I was more or less just hanging out getting high yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean so um i'm sure there's several times i remember there's certain scenes that you know brought me back into it but i don't think i ever watched it proper all the way through so i might have caught it a few times here or there but it was mostly in bits mm-hmm. yeah i think after we got done recording last time i might have mentioned to you that this is one of the ones that i've seen a lot of times because it came out during that time period where my mom was working at our local convenience store and i could yeah. rent videos for free once they were so old so i didn't have to wait too long you know like a month after this came out on video it was low enough in the fucking number index that i could pick it up for free whenever yeah, i yeah. wanted basically i mean especially then even now like I, it's a fine movie but like then it was good like a good fallback like yeah if i was like i've seen this i've film. seen this i've seen this whatever i'll rent this one then because i know what i'm getting it's fine. Like, I had watched the fucking Clueless show, so... We're fucking, familiar. Yeah, so what's her name popping up? I was yeah, like, Rachel Blanchard. You're like, yeah, oh yeah, cool. I was like, okay, yeah. Let me put... I've had a crush on Rachel Blanchard most of my life, so... Yeah, she's a cutie pie, man. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. So her popping up, I was like, okay, cool. Six months after this movie came out, seven... Eight months after this movie came out, I believe, was when American Pie released. Yeah, which, during that time period because I was on my way of graduating around that time. Mm-hmm. I think I've even told some people this. I was more into comedies more so than horror in my teen, late teens, mm-hmm. you should say. No rhyme or reason, just happened to be, you know. 
and that was instantly huge. So even though she's only in it for like five minutes, like Mina Suvari in the beginning, mm-hmm. that was another reason why I would pick it up just to be like, oh, look, it's. Yeah. And it's still pre-American Pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've probably seen the movie a good like 15 times-ish. Nice. But the last time was probably in like 2002. At the latest. So it been a, a lot minute. of it, I didn't quite remember the details, but there's a couple scenes that really stick out to me. Like I knew what's coming up. The CDs <laughs> yeah, is what I always remember mostly from this movie. But that's awesome. But yeah, otherwise it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember the scene. And by the end of it being like, oh well, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I guess let's just get into it. Yeah, like I'm cool with that. So I guess opening up, it starts with the music, a rainy night, and a mom painting a strip of red around her room, and it's all in a horizontal line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's, um, she's basically saying, like, you can't take my daughter. One of the funniest bits, I think, too, is like <laughs> the little girl is playing Rachel. She's like, Mama... Mom kind of slaps her with the paintbrush too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, damn, okay. She no nothing's off limits in this room. But the whole point being is like the mom's kind of having this religious breakdown mm-hmm. involving the little girl. You know, all that shit, of course, will pay dividends later on. And it results in the ambulance and the cops being called, right? The mom's getting carried away. The little girl's trying to be comforted by this the sheriff or whoever he is. And uh you start to see the early signs of her telekinesis, her powers, whatever. Because once the mom's gone and you can tell she's going to be a foster kid, she's walking through the house, shutting the doors. And I was like, okay, the second time through, I was like, okay, what they're doing is, you're, you know, using the mirroring and like mirroring this kid who's not Carrie, but there is a connection we learn with some of the stuff that I guess Carrie's character was doing like they had their own separate rooms. It wasn't to the same degrees, mm-hmm. but it seemed like they both had some type of room, you know, that they went to. I had two big takeaways from this scene and from the opening. The first is that red liquid dropping on statues of the Virgin Mary <laughs> isn't nearly as effective as being creepy when you see that it's paint before you see that. I agree. <laughs> I maybe three things. The okay. second thing is when Rachel first starts to show her powers, somebody did not care at all if the sound <laughs> effect matched up oh, with yeah. the first door slam. They, the, they get they get better as it goes on, but right. that first one they did not give <laughs> a fuck. Like we're just gonna forget this in post. Fuck it. I forgot it. I'm not going back. It's too late. Third thing. I'm sorry. And this is actually maybe like one of the neater things about the movie. It's especially set up in this first scene, but Rachel's mom is perhaps a more realistic take on Margaret White. I think I agree with you there because although it is a little, like I said, there's a little bit of that, but it's a little bit truer. When you have that maniacal breakdown, yeah, you get took away to the loony bin. And that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. And your kid goes in the system. Unfortunately. But I don't know. In her case, it's not as bad as it probably could be, mm-hmm. you know, considering. But once, you know, all that stuff happens, this is what I wrote too, man. Jesus Christ. 
is it gives you kind of like that early introduction to the high school. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is such a 90s thing because I think I told you this throughout the week. It's like this is what it reminds me of 90s films is how you have all these bands of your cliquish kids. You know, everybody fits into a certain clique or a group. And there's always ska fucking music playing. <laughs> it's like that is such a 90s thing, man. Not only that, but somehow all the cliques wow. are these extremely separate islands from each other that exist like exactly. 40 feet away from the nearest other group. It is so funny, man. And you see it so often in 90s films. And it's like, it carries a trend. And, you know, it, for whatever reasons, that's just what it was. And nobody mixes between. Man, I just thought it was so funny. Yeah, you're right. It's just everybody is like their own little patch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, it's, yeah, it is so funny. All right. Eventually what it leads into, you get the introduction to Mina Savari's character. You know that uh, she hooked up with somebody because she's going to introduce that somebody to Rachel at lunch, right? She's like, notice something about me? And we also know that they're like some kind of blood sisters or some shit like that. They have matching tattoos and all that stuff. Best blood. Best blood. Yeah. (laughs) Which. That was corny, but endearing. It is, right. I agree. Corny as shit, though. Super corny. It's 90s kids, man. We were corny. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Along with that, you also get the introduction to, like, Zachary Ty Bryan's character and Jason London's character and Dylan Bruno and all these other guys. And you learn about the game because they're talking about it and the point system. And I did take a snapshot because I have a player that you can do that with. And (laughs) first things first, I want to get a few things out of the way. Some of it is explicit because towards the bottom, it talks about cunnilingus. Okay. But it doesn't say cunnilingus. Oh. It says eating you know what. (laughs) I didn't actually stop on any of those. I did. I was curious, man. I was like, let me see if this is just bullshit or if something was actually written. See, I got curious about something else in that scene, but I want to okay. hear all your shit first. Right. This is way more interesting than what I'm going to bring up. So a common mistake is uh, people misspell receives, mm. you know, because you always hear I before E, yeah, yeah. except for after C. <laughs> so there's a misspelling there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, everything else is kind of what the guys say. You know, there's points for this or points for that. They even talk about which I had a note later on. I was like, oh, I didn't pay attention to that because it makes sense why there's one point in the book. Because <laughs> my notes don't say it for the book's reasons. But <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, long story short, all it is is these guys talking about hooking up and points and points. You know, we talked about points are symbolic of acts, sexual escapades and what have you, right? So that's what these guys are all about. And they're taking points... Because at the end of the football season, so all of this is happening during the football season, is the losers, you know, the guys with less points, have to buy the winners' keg of choice. Oh. At, mm-hmm. You know, and they're going to throw a party and all this other shit. So that's, you know, that's what's at stake. All right. Anyhow, you notice there's a glance, and they're talking about, you know, losers, coyotes. When they say it like that? That coyote ugly date. Yeah. Okay. There was something I noticed. During this whole scene, I stopped. I was like, (laughs) I got curious about it. It wasn't the point system. It was kind of a mix of two things. One, once again, kind of a negative towards the movie, but very much in vain with everything else from this time period. And the other actually very much a positive. I got curious how old all (laughs) these actors actually were. Yeah, good point. Because I saw fucking London and I'm like, you're not in high school. 
It's like you were in high school like six years ago, and dude. Neither is <laughs> neither is your boy. No, 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 no. And God neither plays Mark. Is, and neither is fucking Rachel Blanchard. No, no, no. They're all in their twenties at that so, point. So I got curious about it because here's the other thing. Compared to most other <laughs> '90s post-scream teen horror movies, Emily and Mina are a hundred times more believable as being high school students yeah, 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 than almost any other cast we've ran up against so far. I agree. Yeah, they're more believable than the cast of Scream. They're more yep. believable than the cast of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yep. They're more believable than the cast of well, Urban Legend. I suppose was supposed to be college, so that was yeah. actually believable. Yeah, yeah that's but. college. But as far as high school. Yeah, and because even I think Eddie K. Thomas at the time was still a teenager as well in this film. And so, Zachary so I was going to say, Emily actually was 23 at the time okay, and was playing a very believable like 17. Yeah, she fit the bill. She looked the part. Jason London was 26 at the time. Wow. In fact, most of the guys were like 24 to 26. Dang. Yeah. Except Zachary Ty Bryan was actually 17. And Eddie K. Thomas, I believe, was actually 18. And Mina Suvari would have been 19 at the time. Yep. So, you know, they kind of fit those bills. But yeah, most of the guys were like 24 to sense. 26. Yeah, and most of guys, the girls were like 22 to 24. That's not too far off. You know, that's kind of interesting because that was kind of what we talked about last week, too. That was kind of the age range mm-hmm. for some of those actresses and what have you and the original Carrie. But so, there's one other thing I should probably bring up with this movie. <laughs> yeah because it happened and it just i've been in a competition <laughs> for points <laughs> <laughs> although that was more just there were bonus points given although i kind of argued in favor against them just because they were making me win too easily <laughs> but it wasn't like high school boys being assholes even though like i was on the football team and shit it wasn't anything having to do with that time period yeah me and a friend i'm not sure how much we might have talked about it before (laughs) on a different something that we put out into the world but i'll keep it vague for now unless he says go for it some other time (laughs) and we get a chance to bring it up again but me and a friend both ended up out of years long relationships around the same time period he was single probably half a year before me but his relationship he was getting out of was also like three years longer so we kind of got out of them at about the same place and were commiserating with each other and sort of at a certain point looking to get back out into the world and realizing that we had both been not single for like in my case four years his like seven and like didn't know what the fuck we were doing and we're like, okay, well, let's turn it into a competition against each other. Yeah. Like, and the competitive aspect will make us at least talk to chicks more because we were having a hard time doing that. <laughs> yeah, I can understand it. And then it got out of hand and we were actually doing pretty well for ourselves. And what we won was feeling shitty about ourselves for like a couple of years after that for having done that. But. <laughs> and if you're a, any kind of wrestling fan, Everybody knows when you hear it's time to play the game, <laughs> you know what that means, right? Triple X or Triple H. That's Triple right. X for that matter. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I'm joking around. But And now I'm wondering if I might have brought that up during that time period because of how many times I watched That's this funny, movie. Man. Now that I'm connecting all of this out loud, 
I'm wondering how much of it was because of this movie. We're a product of our environments, the culture we're around. We can't help it, man. Anyway. No, that's, you know, it relates back, dude. It's yeah. what this film entails, but to a whole different extent. <laughs> Let's, you know, we do have to make that clear. All right. Here's something I found really interesting about this film, right? Because I understand the reasons behind it, but it made me question something else, right? I'll go ahead and explain. What we learn is throughout the course of that early school beginning mm-hmm. is Lisa, Mina Savari's character, like we were saying on the bus, right? We learned that she hooked up with some dude. We don't know who, but we do know who, right? right, right. <laughs> right? Rachel doesn't know at this point. So in between, there's another scene that kind of mirrors the scene from Carrie, right? Where it talks about, uh, in this case, Romeo and Juliet and love and all this other stuff. And then Carrie was like some kind of poem, I can't remember exactly right. what the whatever it was about, but in this one, I like if you really pay attention to it, you don't have to pay. Like, you don't have to be a genius either. This whole scene explains the film about. This is pretty much what I wrote: it, love, tragedy, and death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, Romeo and Juliet, forbidden love, stuff like that. This scene in particular stands out because it's meant to stand out. Like, it's kind of a very obvious, like, look, this is what we're doing. With the only fake out being, they don't both die. Right. Exactly. But you understand by the end of it, it's because she has come to believe in love Mm -hmm. that she's able to avert both of them dying because she has the power to. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, this uh, this movie's fine. Like, there's <laughs> actually saying, there's dude. actual good things to it. No, no, like, I, <laughs> I'm I'm with you there, dude. Like, this film surprisingly was like, you know, it has actually pretty decent rewatchable value as well. Mm-hmm. Like, second time through it was like, uh, you know, there's bits where you can kind of tune out, but it's still pretty engaging all the way throughout if you think about it. All right, so. What I wanted to say is, you know, you get that scene, you get a scene too where Mina Savari, she gets a note, she reads it, tells she's totally bummed out. How bummed out? Well, let's go to the rooftops to find out. <laughs> All right? Because I'm like, what is she? Oh, no. Right? Because I started seeing those, what they call um, RTUs. RTUs are called rooftop units. They're the big fans uh, yeah, yeah. that you see. I've worked on those things before. But I was like, ooh, she's getting dangerously close to the edge. And I think she's about to break. <laughs> All right? So, A, this is where I get it, right? Yes, she was glowing, and then she has this huge letdown, right? Mm-hmm. So, what you know, what happens is she commits suicide. But the problem I had with that, I was like, why didn't she at least tell Rachel first instead right. of going to that extreme measure? Because she was going to tell her anyway. But, you know, like I said... That would have been a totally different film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so that's my the own reason it clip. didn't happen is because it would make it a different film. But the relationship right. they set up implies that at least that probably would have. That happened. was one of the quips I had with that because it's like I understand what this film is saying and the impact because this is loosely based off. I didn't really get into the story behind it, but there was like some group of dudes known as some kind of posse, whatever they were. Yeah, the spur yeah posse I read or some about shit. that a little bit. And I was I was going to say, when I said that, like, <clears throat> yeah. me and my boy had our own point system, well, that's it different. was not like theirs, where they were, like, legitimately, like, 
committing sexual assaults and shit. Well, Me and yeah. him were just trying to be like, yeah, we can talk to chicks. Uh, and then like, yeah. oh shit, like this actually worked. Yeah. All right, I guess let's go back to my place. <laughs> this is going to count. <laughs> you know, I had the player. <laughs> I understand, man. You know, like I said, there's two, that's two totally different stories altogether mm-hmm. than them. But like I said, with this story being, is a part of the reason why she committed suicide because of what we learn is that Zachary Bryan, his character, right, is one of the jocks, one of the football players. And we learn, right, after she commits suicide and he has a conversation with, with Mark and all that shit, he's like, man, you know, he got questioned, what have you. And he was the one who hooked up with her. And in that note, he's like basically telling her, he's like, you know, in her mind, she thought we were going steady. And I was telling her she was just a pump. <laughs> you know, like, damn, that's crude. Just a nuts, what he said. But um, she wanted, Mina Savari, that is, she did want Rachel to develop some photos for her work later that night. So that leads into a whole different thing. I found it too. It's like, man, it that whole scene was kind of fucked up. I know I'm kind of skipping around a little bit. But when she landed and all that shit on the car, I was like, ooh, first, that's, that was pretty that was gruesome. Fucking, yeah, that was pretty... That was good. That was gnarly. It was good. But people's reactions were a little... I, I can see it be a little bit morbid, too, because it's like, what the fuck? But that dude with the camera... <laughs> the fucking camera dude, yeah. Oh, man. I was like, damn. That's fucked up, dude. That's <laughs> really fucked up. That was morbid as shit. Um, I don't know how much I liked it, but I, I didn't hate it, but... It's like that was different for sure. I did know after it happens, and this goes across both Rachel's stuff and Mina Suvari's stuff when the cops are starting to look at it right after the suicide. (laughs) Yeah. Combined between the two of them, they show a lot of on-screen Marilyn Manson merch for him not being on the soundtrack. (laughs) They really do. I noticed like her being Rachel, that is, her bedroom was a dorm with some really cool posters from that time period. Yeah. Like she had, you know, white zombie and Rob zombie shit. And uh, Marilyn Manson, like you said, some Nine Inch Nails. Mm. It's like, yeah, she had some cool posters. I know they talked about garbage. I doubt Jason London was a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shirley Manson, she's awesome. Well, I like Jason London. I did too. But the entire time I was watching this movie, I was kind of wishing it was Jeremy London. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, that's no discredit to him, but yeah, it's different. It's different. It is. It's a different London. Sorry, sorry, London. Um, I like the other London. That's right. You know, there's twos of you. Yeah. <laughs> He's fine, though. No, there's like, nothing wrong with him. On the topic, though, of Jason London, how awkward is it if you get done having sex with the fucking chick in the backseat of your rig... <sighs> And you pop open the door, and your boys are 30 foot away, hooting and hollering with fucking drinks. Man, I wrote that in my notes. First thing I did, this is, let me, literally, this is what I wrote. Before I wrote it, let me, let me explain this to you. There is a scene where we are introduced to Sue Snell. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Once okay. again, yeah, all right. Yeah. Just, all right. Man, her character is so tragic. <laughs> We'll get to that later, but what this does lead to, right, is uh, she is trying to help Rachel. She's starting mm-hmm. to see some some similarities, right? What I wrote down is, like, she's trying to atone, basically, for Carrie and what happens through Rachel, right? And then this is my very next note. I put, who fucks fully clothed while their friends cheer them on <laughs> from another car yeah. 30 feet away? <laughs> 
I'm like, damn, that is that is fucked up. <laughs> Especially in high school, man. If I know my boys are watching my ass pump up and down like 30 <sighs> feet behind me and they're being drunk and dumbasses yeah, about yeah. it. I'm probably not staying hard. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's some performance anxiety. <laughs> you know, I'm not here to, to put on a show. I'm not an exhibitionist. Not for my and e- Even if I was, like, that's not the audience I want to be. No, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? That wouldn't be my audience. All right, you do you, though. I mean, I get it. It's a stereotypical job. Or I guess you do fucking Charlotte Ayana. Right. And, you know, her character, too. I can't I believe it. she wasn't more pissed about all, like... She just flicked him off, right? I had to look because I was like, hold on. Wait. Okay, she's flicking the dudes off, mm-hmm. you know? But she, she didn't make a big deal out of it because the very next thing she wants to talk about is the look, party. We, we know her ass is stamped BP, but it still feels yeah. like something that she should have been more pissed about. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, what the fuck? She didn't have a problem with it. She's like, you guys, you, she didn't even say it. You can just, she's like, jerks. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically what that was. You know, like, once again, it's the stereotype cheerleader jock mm-hmm. shit, you know, amplified. The very next thing I wrote, too, is not too long after that, it kind of skips to later on that night where Rachel's in a room and the dog jolts out. I'm like, uh-oh. When it rains, it pours, dude. <laughs> that fucking dog. Okay, so I would say that overall, in a big sense, one of the things this movie fails at is feeling Stephen Kingy in any way. Mm, good point. Do you think this Walter bit was intentionally to sort of evoke pet cemetery yes absolutely absolutely man because i was about to come out my lips the very next thing i was like that wasn't gage that was walter yeah and in this case i did read a little bit about this i thought this was kind of neat there was a dog handler of course that was given commands Mm. for the dog to hit its its mark apparently and he would give it like hand signals and it would I guess do it, you know, lays, whatever, you know. And so that's how it pulled those shots off. But I was like, damn, I can't believe they showed that. That was fucked up. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I was like, damn, when it rains, it fucking pours for that poor girl. But what it coincides with is uh, Jason London, Jesse in this film. You know, he's still kind of, this is what they say, post-nut, right? He's yeah, got post-nut clarity. clarity. <laughs> The best kind of clarity. Right, because he is in his thoughts when he's driving. Like, he sped off from dropping off old cutie, although she's, you know, she's a bitch. But anyhow, he peels off. He happens to be on the same road where Walter just got hit. Immediately, she's trying to stop cars and shit. She stops his. It blows out some of the front, you know, window. It snaps into attention. They drive to the vet, and, you know, all that stuff plays out, and... Now, I'll say with this Walter bit, yeah. it had been long enough since I saw this movie that I didn't remember that he lived. And I was like, you motherfuckers are going to run over the dog for this fucking movie? That was crazy, man. <laughs> but I think, like you were saying, that was just to, like, like try <laughs> throw a little bit of bait out there. You're Stephen King. You guys like Stephen King, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got a few. I might not get all of them, but I got a few. Right? Uh, I guess. I'm glad they didn't keep the dog in it because it's like man that would have been f- really fucked up i didn't know how morbid they were going to go with this film like i said because i've only caught it in bits and mm-hmm. pieces because i was like man this film is about to get real dark 
Damn, I'm, but I'm glad that he didn't. And what that really amounts to is there's these early stages of flirtation and it never really explains why. They have a pretty good little meet cute though. They like, do. That scene is pretty you good know, in establishing that they actually They have a pretty good chemistry, like, yeah. you, know, w- you know, on screen together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel... She's a little awkward in that little bit where she's she trying to be like, oh, yeah, you have a talent. Like, I knew this guy once. He could, you know, yeah. brain flossing. Exactly, man. I've tried. Um, cannot do it. He does a good job. I've tried. <laughs> uh, what I liked about that, too, like I said, a little bit of the sweetness to their on-screen dynamic is when he drops her off, he goes to shake her hand. I was like, damn, that's such a dude move. <laughs> But, you know, they have that little bit of electricity there. So I was like, oh, that's that's clever, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's not only realistic, but it's also symbolic. <laughs> There's the electricity there. Yeah, you know, he has his little refrain. He's like, man, it was like he was doing like a politician would. And he's like, oh, um, yeah. yeah. Nice to meet you. Please vote for me, whatever. <laughs> whatever you said, it was kind of funny. I thought it was, it was clever. That was pretty good. No, I, I remember that. You want to know what my next note is after that? Because what it does is after that night is it goes to like this classroom sequence where it's actually a study. It's not like an English class or math class. It's oh, yeah, football like study. study. Right, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're going over film. And this is one of my notes is the coach tells them to drop trowel. I, and I was like, where the fuck are they Short going with this? <laughs> I was like, this is weird right now. I didn't remember that scene well. Yeah. Like, I forgot it had fucking happened like, for the uh, most part. So when they started to do that, I was like, wait, what the fuck happens in this? All right. Disclaimer. And I do have want to say this is it reminded me a little bit of a bad word. And I'm about to say a bad word on this podcast. But I was like. Did Brian Singer somehow get involved with this movie? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> right? What it amounts to is actually really fucking funny. <laughs> right? Because what happens is the coach is kind of telling the guys, like, you guys are kind of playing like pansies, you know, because one of the guys gets blown up <laughs> on yeah. a blocking assignment. And it happens to be Mark... And Jason London, they're they're bullshitting or whatever they are. Or maybe Zach Tyrion are bullshitting. And uh, that's when he tells him, he's like, drop trial. I was like, uh-oh, what's going on? And what he does, is head coach tells him, he's like, I'm just checking to see if you had a tampon string hanging out. <laughs> I was like, man, that's such a 90s thing. That's such a fucking football thing. Oh, head man. coach thing. Oh, man. But that's what it amounts to. I was like, damn, that was actually pretty funny. Because I'm glad it didn't go sexual with it. That almost got real fucking weird. Yeah, I know. That's like, man. It stopped it merely being inappropriate, especially in this day and age. But it Damn. almost got real fucked up. <sighs> yeah. But to their credit, they didn't. They they went comedic with it, and that was good. <laughs> that was a good touch. Still awkward as fuck. I can't remember quite how far after that is, but my next note was actually just that fucking Rachel's suicide dream. Yeah was pretty fucking neat. Yeah, it was. Because you got the fucking gnarly face plan again. Yeah, and then it, in, in her case, she's still living after mm-hmm. the fall in her dream. You're like, damn, yeah, it's fucked up. It's morbid. I didn't know how far I wanted to get into it before I mentioned it, but I do, not necessarily to the school, but to the area. And the film itself in certain scenes was filmed, I saw in Charlotte, 
but in particular in a, a little town called Dallas, North Carolina. So there's a high school they filmed out called North Gaston High School. Okay. Right? It's in the lower part of North Carolina. It kind of um, straddles a little bit of the North Carolina, South Carolina border by maybe 20 miles or so, roughly. Okay. You know? But I've been through there. I actually worked in those areas when I did electrical work. So I was like, oh, damn, that's kind of interesting. I've probably been by that high school before, just riding around in those areas. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. I didn't realize that. But looking back on it, I was like, yeah, it does kind of look like North Carolina. <laughs> that's kind of funny. But yeah, I didn't realize it was filmed in those areas. All right. So I was thinking about it. I asked earlier where the fuck is this movie set? Mm-hmm. And it has to be set still that in makes Ohio. More sense. Yeah. Because they go to the school. Right. It's still called Bates High School. Their high school still. It's yeah. just in a different location mm-hmm. in this film. So I guess we know where it's supposed to be set, but <laughs> right, it wasn't filmed in California. No, <laughs> not even mistaking close. Mistaking for Ohio, man. like the first one. No, dude. Like, trust me, that area, if you've ever been in that area, it, it fit the bill. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that looked like that part of North Carolina. Still wonder who's who the New Jersey connection is. I know. All right. Since we're talking about that, the reason I say I thought there was a New Jersey connection because there's a scene that Jason London and Emily, who plays Rachel in this film, have. He says something to her, and it sounded so Jersey. Mm. And I was like, damn, he sounded just like Jeff Anderson right now. There's somewhere in my notes. I'll bring it up when it happens. I was like, damn. And that's what it made me think. I was like, is this fucker from Jersey? Because, you know, his brother has connections because of mall rats. Yeah. So there's a Jersey connection right there. But he he and uh, Jeremy, apparently, all of them are for San Diego. I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I took a quick look through on some of these people. I don't see a connection. It might just be a complete coincidence that there's Red Bank Productions and they mention one of the things being Broad Street. I'm just Still saying surprise that me though, one dude. of the only broad streets I actually know yeah. happens to be in Red Bank, New Jersey. I like so. it. I like the connection. I'm going to go with it until someone proves us wrong. <laughs> but that's what it made me think of. I was like, damn, he sounds too Jersey right now. Other little shout out, though. Fucking Sue Snell mentions having spent some time in Arkham. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So cause... that's either Lovecraft or fucking Batman. Batman. <laughs> Which is still... Either way, I'm down. Tie back to Lovecraft. Yeah. (laughs) Either way. Here's something I wrote because it reminded me of another film. Okay. So there's a sequence in this film, and it happens in retaliation because when she develops the film that night, you know, the dudes are there to pick it up, and the dudes happen to be Mark and uh, Zach Ty Bryan's character. And, um, you know, they're they're trying trying to get the pictures back. And she's like, no, you know. I have to go back to the owner. And he says something fucked oh, up. it's Mark and fucking Oh, Jason. it is Jason. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. It is Jason. And she's like, no, I, I have to give it back to the owner. And he's like, well, I don't think she's going to be coming by anytime soon to pick him up. I'm like, damn, that's so fucked up. But long story short is he tries to, you know, he's like, you know, how about I come by later on, pick you up, blah, blah, blah. It's just <laughs> like, no, I'm a dyke. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. But what we learn is... Yeah, like I said, it's it's Zag Ty Bryan's character. The pictures developed. It's he and Mina Savari together. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the mystery guy. If there is any mystery to that, but because of that, they think that she's going to start spreading stories about him because now he's implicated in statutory rape because he's already questioned. They're already starting to connect dots. He's going to miss the football game, which 
I don't think they made them old enough for that to work. Dude. I'm pretty uh, sure most statutory rape laws are within three years, which he was. Which, coincidentally, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about this because of the R. Kelly stuff. Right. Right? And they said, you know, in certain states, there's, I guess they call it the Romeo and Juliet law because of the age, like there's a three-year gap. So there's right. not like a huge difference in age. It's basically that thing that like if you have a high school sweetheart who you're staying with, right. you don't automatically start getting fucking charged with something if you're a couple years older and you're still fooling around. Right now, I mean, <laughs> that's not a huge difference. You know, like, you know what I mean? They're, yeah, it's still teenagers. But when you put it in context, right, it's like, all right, give them a few years, 21, 24, Mm-hmm. 24 27 it's not like 15 32 yeah <laughs> you know i mean like okay okay now now you got a case but they're still in high school mm-hmm. yeah what what are you talking about so i was like all right that already is fishy but we get it because it's it's loosely based on the, another story we already talked about right and i was also willing to forgive it because it's a fucking story from 20 years ago where they're trying to throw the fucking book at these kids for fucking acting in this predatory assholeish way. Right. In the wake of having in real life dealing with assholes like Brock Turner getting off the way he did. Thank you. That's what it reminded me because that shit's still happening. I hate to say it. I don't know if I want to say it, but people should have took the lesson of throwing the book at them. I was going to say there's some dirty history in this area with that stuff too. Mm. I don't have to say it and do your own research, but but it's not the only place. It's all over the country, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the problem and that's kind of what this film's trying to bring to light. And its defense and to its credit, it's a little bit progressive in that manner too. I think the reason this movie is fine is because it's aged really well. Right. It's it can still be uh, yeah, yeah a, a very I don't know enlightening film for you know even this generation of kids mm-hmm. if they went back. I mean yeah, I'll be a little hokey because it's nineties, but for us you know it's still it's still relevant, man. Like we we're saying. So I'm not trying to defend him by saying that I'm pretty sure he's actually within most statutory rape laws. Yeah. I'm just saying that they probably should have just made his character older. I agree because that's like ah oh, that's oof. Even though I understand, well, like they're doing it because of not necessarily his age per se, is it's in the manner of how he went after her. Yeah. Right. It was more of a sexual assault in a way. I mean, coercion. It, yeah, a coercion more so. I mean, yeah, she, you know, there was still consensual stuff to it, but there was manipulation involved mm-hmm. as well. So that's where he's more or less. Imp- but the fucking the whole thing is, is because of his daddy and because of politics which we all know about to some degree or another, some story or another happens all over the country. Once again, he gets off because with no, you don't want to shame these families names. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, you hear about that. That is so true to the South. I know it's not just to the South, but Holy moly. Holy guacamole. <laughs> it happens a lot, man, unfortunately. And there's a lot of reasons why I stopped playing certain sports because of that shit. Anyway, but what this really leads to is what I mentioned earlier is it reminded me of another film because what happens is those guys have those conversations, right? And they're like, let's go pay a visit to Rachel's house. Right. Right? Kind of, you know, put the fear in her. So they do. But what I liked stylistically, and this is what it reminded me of, is when they do go to terrorize her, is it starts to go to that black and white mode. 
which I like. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, it still looks good. Like you can't go wrong with black and white. I'd say ninety percent of the time you can't go wrong with it, right? But the film it reminded me of was like, man, this is like American History X. Oh, which then they also all go skinhead later in the movie. I was like, and this is my note. I put American History X carry two. But this is another thing I wrote because the film nerd in me might be stretching, but I think I might be right. So let me explain. In the middle of all of that chaos, the dude makes the phone call into the house to her. I put, what the fuck? He does a Donald Duck voice. Mm-hmm. You know, and he asks her what's her favorite scary movie or whatever. Yeah, it does the scream thing. All right, so that's one half of it, because that's obvious. That's obvious. Why would he be doing the Donald Duck voice? That's where I think I'm right, or at least have a hunch. Um, because that one's not too obvious. No, nah, I'm I'm losing it. All right, this is this is like this is the horror nerd in me. Okay, <laughs> there's a film by Lucio Fulci. It's called Don't Torture a Duckling. And the killer in that film uses a Donald Duck voice no when he shit. or she calls. I was like, are they really doing that right now? It's like, is this a Fulci reference and a Wes Craven reference all in one? That's pretty fucking... That's my take on it. There's no other reason for it. No, because I was like, that's why I was like, what the fuck? Why is he doing the Donald Duck? Oh, like, hold on now. Let me, di- let me dig in my bag of tricks. <laughs> my film stash is like... There is a film that does that, actually, and it's Fulci. How lucky were they that they didn't actually get into the house? Very. <laughs> well, the first sign of that was like, boys put on his dusters. It's like, holy fucking hell, what are you doing, Brad? <laughs> Calm down, this ain't Wilson. <laughs> Damn. Wilson would be really pissed at him right now. But what he does is he when he breaks the window and tries to get in, she slams that fucking... Mm-hmm. the window on him yeah and he's like uh-uh we gotta get out of here but i was like man that's fucked up dude and the way she ex- explains it off too <laughs> like, what what the shit man that's weird yeah she played that one a little bit too that cool, was even for who her character is like yeah home assault is no fucking joke like because then you just feel nervous about yeah. Being where you normally are, you know what I mean? Like, there's a like, reason, like, home invasion is its own subgenre. Dude, yeah. Like, that house has got vandaled, windows smashed and stuff like that, right? A brick thrown through your freaking, into your home. Like, oh, I'm going to pay attention. But another thing I wanted to say about this, too, really quick, about the house that she was in, this is just something I latched onto, was the door, the front door in her house. I was like, I recognize that front door because that's in every southern front door <laughs> in the southeast that I'm familiar with. Like my grandmother's front door had that three window like mm. stacked with. I was like, man, that yeah. Okay, anyhow, that was another thing. It's like I, that's how I know it was definitely the Carolinas. <laughs> All right. All right. Here's another thing I wrote about Sue Snell's character because she, man. It's no fault of her own. It's just the way that her character is written in this story. is like she should have learned the first time with Carrie that you don't overreach. And that's what she's doing. What are you doing? First, she's like super confrontational as a guidance counselor. Like there's there's something wrong with you, but there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) Like what are you doing? I want to go find your mom because we got to find out who your daddy is. 
And then when we do find out, right? But this is what I wrote. It's kind of fucked up. I don't know if this is intentional or not. But once Amy Irving goes into that Arkham Asylum to visit yeah. Rachel's mom, <laughs> that fucking dude. Yeah. He fondles her. <laughs> he definitely fucking cops a feel. And I was like, did he just get away with that right now? What the, what the shit was that? I mean, I know his character was, he has a mental handicap somewhere, but I didn't know it was going to be physical. <laughs> that was fucking weird. All right. They just kind of blow it off because, you know, the whole point is, is she's trying to get, get her. Off, Terry isn't here. She's trying to get her, Rachel's mom, to tell her and tell Rachel apparently who the dad is because she's making these connections to Carrie and totally dismissing the whole point that her mom's in a mental facility. You can't trust her. What are you doing? And the movie hasn't set up what amount of contact they even have. Yeah, what is going on, man? This is literally, you just have Sue Snell being like, well, she'll listen to you. How do we know that? It's weird, dude. And then almost right after that, she takes uh, Rachel to the burn down high school mm -hmm. and i'm like okay first off that's not a high school because <laughs> you see the stack right in the background i was like either that was an old mill or in this case it was an old factory mm -hmm. right and she, you know the whole point is she's explaining to rachel like you know i know about this stuff this is what happened because of her powers and what these kids are doing and she went through a tragedy you're going through a tragedy and at somewhere down the road <laughs> she's telling her that she's Carrie's half-sister because they share the same father, right? I'm like, oh, there's your connection there. And th that's why they're using these religious overtones a little bit, yeah. you know, not full-blown like in original Carrie, but... They're there-ish. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's mirroring that, so that way there's like these loose threads. Now, in this film's defense, too, it wasn't even supposed to be connected to Carrie. It just had enough similarities right. that they're We're like, like uh, well, let's turn it into Carrie. We'll get a bigger audience and we might not get sued. Exactly. And I was like, you know what? And they're probably in their huge favor. It did them some huge favors. Like it was an easy connection and it wasn't bad threads. No. You know, I think um, even Amy Irving, she had apprehensions about playing her character, but she got blessed by Brian De Palma, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was like, he was fine with it. So there you go. But anyway, I just like, man, this is so weird how they got her character, like making these same mistakes and overreaching and trying to do too much. It's like she's repeating history, man. But like I said, if that weren't the case, then we wouldn't have this film. So, I mean, it's, you know, what I think more so than anything is that if you never saw the original, you could watch this and they have enough similarities where you could be a 90s kid and like oh this is my Carrie <laughs> that's what I yeah. felt like this was kind of doing yeah. a little bit I could see that I just feel like and there's nothing wrong with that I feel like one of the other big picture failings of this is it's not as overall relatable as the original Carrie right it, they do have different story threads and which kind of ties into it not feeling very Stephen Kingy right exactly it's just loosely based off well I'll say loosely I mean shit there's the connections there it's it's there like I so said just it shares Stephen King stuff they do the same thing they hit all the same story beats right exactly for the most part. but it's very but, much its own feel right. it feels like a late 90s post scream teenage horror movie yeah, and I like that for that reason it's you know it's just like we were talking about it just coincidentally had enough in the story to connect to Carrie it's like why the fuck not and there you go. Got a bigger cast, bigger budget. And long story short, all this stuff starts to happen, right? 
I talked about Zach Bryan's, his whole case got dismissed because of that politician, right? And you're like, oh, of course, man, right in the face of the law, if you want to put, call it that. I, <laughs> I wrote down, not soon after that, Mark and the Funky Bunch <laughs> devise a plan or a plot to get Jesse and Rachel, right? Because now there's enough pushback. There's enough of them going to parties and, or not parties, but dates and mm-hmm. broken dates and what have you now. So what Mark does is he's like, um, hey, Jesse, I'm going to go ahead and hook you up with my parents' summer house. You know, you and Rachel can go there, have your little romantic night, whatever. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you know, just make sure that you guys come to my party so I can apologize to her in person. And then the girls have their own little plot. Rachel going to find lipstick was a nice little callback, I felt like. I like that, yeah. And then actually working it into having it be that's where fucking Rachel Blanchard runs into her. Exactly. Just cements it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I like all that stuff. Like I said, there's, there's enough in this film where it harkens back. It made me smile a little bit because it's like, okay, that's cool, man. Like, yeah, it's following a certain beat. I even feel like there's a... I can't remember exactly where there's a music beat that happens in this film that I think they were doing it to harken back to the dudes doing the tuxedo. Maybe not to that full extent, but it had a little bit of a comedic beat to it. And I felt like that's what it was doing, right? Just to try to connect back. And like you said with the lipstick, it was trying to connect back in its own way. So yeah, as that all, all that stuff is going on, okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, Jessie picks her up because she has her, her whole dressing up and she's wanting to look pretty. And she even talks about, I think when they're like uh, kissing some, somewhere in the, in the movie where they're kissing, she talks about she wants, was it daisies, daisies or something? Yeah. yeah. And so that's what he does. He brings her daisies and all that good stuff. And they, they go back to that house. It's yeah. all cute. They hook up. You know, he takes her V. You're saying, you're saying. <laughs> that was fucking great, dude. I was rolling. You're the sanest person I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that, Jason. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not sure on that one, but it's fine. It's fine. I, mean, I get it. I know. I get it. I get it. Playing your cards, bro. I was like, everything is consensual, right? Here's something that happens, right? Is, you know, after they're making love and all that stuff and they're laying in bed and she's he sleeping. He puts that ass to sleep. <laughs> he did. He like, he did it, right? But he does like, I love you. I love you, girl. <laughs> right, and then you see the shadow in the background. It's like, okay, cool. Which? They got all the angles and shit right. Yeah. It, like it later on when you see the video, it's from that side. Exactly. Not from the side that we saw. They did a good job. Which so many movies fuck that up. I agree. They did a good job. That's why I think maybe her eye for those kind of details worked mm-hmm. in this, this film's favor because there was some really cool shots. It's unbelievable how many films fuck that up. You're right. They show you shots that you're seeing, not that I'm the like, characters are seeing. Dude. <laughs> right. It, like there's some things that this film does well together, like picking up the loose threads and what have you, or connecting threads. After they hook up and all that good stuff, she does the walk, not necessarily walk of shame, but, you know, she sneaks back into her room and guess who's waiting on her? Her foster parents. She gets slapped. And I think that woman, the woman who plays the step, I don't know, I keep saying step, the foster mom, mm-hmm. she kind of had like a, a, an authentic reaction to her getting slapped. I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> right and he's like uh you're grounded for a week and she's like back you want to make that too <laughs> like, 
Yeah, what, two hours maybe? Right. <laughs> right, because now, you know, she's supposed to be going to the football game and she's listening to it on the radio. The dudes all shave their heads. It's like, whoa, what the fuck is this supposed to mean? This is a weird symbolic thing right now. Okay, no, so here you go. I had a note about it and I forgot to bring it up last episode, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I did bring it up. I was also really stoned. Um, Touche. During the prom, everybody wearing a red boutonniere is in on it. So in this uh, movie, everyone that shaved their head is in on it. That makes sense. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're making that connection just in their football symbolic way. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I mean, I get that. I get that for sure. But it's like, that's a weird angle to take in this film because there's... It is really weird, especially because otherwise there's not really any racial content. I know. And I'm like, dude, you guys are filming in the South on top of it. Don't do that. <laughs> you're, in, uh, you're in North Carolina, dude. Don't do that. And how fucking obvious was Zachary Ty Bryan's fucking bald cap? Thank you. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what are you doing right now? He looked like a fucking gray alien, dude. That was kind of weird because he was playing the quote unquote thug in that scene. Yeah. Like, you really have to read into that. Not necessarily, but that's pretty there. <laughs> that's weird. But the, the, I thought that was also kind of silly because he was so worried about missing that game because the scouts were going to be there and he can't miss it. And he's got this case lingering over him. And then it gets dismissed, so he can't play in it. And then what does he do? He gets kicked out of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that all about? <laughs> you know, anyway, the whole point is, throughout the course of that football game, There happens to be that announcer who's like, oh, Jesse Ryan goes down and it doesn't look like he's getting back up. And she hears it. And so she gets worried. And so she takes off. The other one does was like two hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So she takes off. But then he's like, oh, wait a minute. There's a movement. (laughs) Looks like he's getting back up. (laughs) And then you got the most cliche 90s thing. Once again, the football whole shit. Anyway, he makes the game when he touched the game. She's. She witnesses it. Mm-hmm. They have their, like, you know, oh, yeah, you were there. Got you. I can't wait for later. <laughs> right? And the guys take him off, and the scouts are there. And then uh, the dude comes out, and he's like, oh, yeah, me and Rachel. Well, Rachel, you know, you and the girls, go ahead and take her to Mark's. I'll go ahead and tell Jesse, you know. But what it is is, you know, they're setting them. Everything's a setup. Tracy, the, the little hot number cheerleader, she's like, oh, Jesse, um, you need a ride? Looks like your car's fucked up. Them damn devils, they're, they're jerks. <laughs> Real jerks. Her dropping the fucking paint I know, can I like, while fucking speeding away. I'm. Uh, yeah. Okay. That was a groan. That was a groan. Okay, 90s. <laughs> no, it's like, it's not their fault. It's just like, ugh. Okay. The whole point is like, yeah, she, it's sabotage. And she's, you know, she's trying to entice them because she's like, how about this? How about how I look now? And, it's like, whatever, just, you know, I need to get to the fucking party. I'm over what, you. <laughs> what year was Varsity Blues? I think same year. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, because if, if this was post-Varsity Blues, then her enticing him didn't work because we were living in a post-whipped cream bikini world. It's like, yeah, she missed the boat on that one. <laughs> she could have set a trend, but she missed the boat on that one. I think it's same year. I'm almost certain of it. 99. <laughs> same year? Okay. Well, then he probably wouldn't have seen a whipped cream bikini yet, so there's a chance that that would have worked. But he's true blue. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our boy's true blue, so. He was. Plus, he's been there. I'm saying, he's like, it ain't nothing he's already seen before. And all boys have been there. Yeah, and he's probably thinking that, too. He's like, ugh, I gotta get some points, man. (laughs) It's like, that was old me, I'm on to new me. Yeah, so, uh, this is where (laughs) her mom starts getting involved, or not her mom, Sue gets involved again, because she goes back to Arkham, and then she gets her mom, she breaks her fucking mom out. What are you fucking doing, lady? That's what I'm saying. Her character is, is the weird one in this film. She feels like she's kind of forced into this film just to make these loose threads connect from the original, you know? You said she says it herself in the beginning of the film that she went too far. She's doing it again. This time way too far. What do you, what do you think breaking a lady out of a fucking I, <laughs> asylum is? What are you doing, man? All right. There's a big tip off too, because on the drive. Rachel's mom was she's like, oh, she's starting to recall certain landmarks. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's whatever, whatever the name is. She's like, where? She's like, oh. Oh, no. Whoops. Uh, let's keep driving. <laughs> All right. That happens. So that they get to the party eventually, right? Everything seems to be going hunky-dory. Wink, wink. And it's a pretty nice house, granted. Yeah. Pretty nice party. Okay, so I'm not leveling this at this movie i'm leveling it at all of these movies (laughs) have you ever known a house party cool enough that it warrants a secondary oh yeah loser party (laughs) on the outskirts (laughs) on the outskirts (laughs) ah now granted i didn't go to very many high school parties i went to a few but not a whole lot have you ever heard uh, of this phenomenon actually happening? I can't say, man. All Outside right. of 90s movies. Honestly, not that I can think of. Where the losers all hang out nah. a block away from the party, watching the party. No, 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 no. That ain't happening, dude. Mainly because I think at this age as well, people have too much pride to be doing that to themselves. Like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just hang out here in spites. Like, no, no, you're not. You're going to be going back home. You're going to sit here. You're you doing whatever your friends you're into. Still going to hang out. Talking shit. <laughs> you're going to talk shit while you're sitting there playing fucking Mario. Yeah. I was going to say whatever you're into. I was going to say whatever D and D Mario, whatever. It doesn't matter. The whole point is you're not hanging out, <laughs> you know, like in their case, maybe a hundred yards or whatever. Like I said, this isn't at this movie. This is at all. In of general. Right. Right. Because it happens a lot in 90s can't films. Can't hardly wait. All these films harken back to that. There's all these tropes they're doing because it fits that 90s, you know, mm-hmm. milieu. Whatever this is, yeah. I kind of like it too. But it gets us more shit, Rick. Yeah, I like it too because Eddie, Eddie's out there. He's like, get me in the party. Why can't you? She's like, I'll try. She's one of us now. <laughs> She's one of those girls. He has some funny lines though throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not in it for very long. Even the lunch scene where he's, you know, he, duh. he's good i like him man he's pretty funny anyhow the party and this is where i say is everything seems to be going swimmingly to her until those jock dudes start showing up it was going swimmingly enough where i'm like why don't you all actually just become friends i know that's like do you guys see how easy this was what the fuck (laughs) i know they're all having it is so silly man i'm i'm glad i had enough it at least in high school, because, you know, this is a film, of course. Mm-hmm. But in reality, at least my, my version of my own reality is in this, for me at that age, 
time and you know place and all that stuff is I had enough foresight to know that all this clicky shit was going to slowly fade once you get out of high school anyway. So what's the fucking point? It's stupid. Because we talked about this. It's like, I, I played sports too, but I didn't feel like a jock right. because I was also in nerdy classes. You know, I was doing nerdy shit and on top of it. So I had, a, you know, friends in all these different cliques. I, you know, I got along fine with everybody. That was, and I was like, it's same thing. It's like, it's so easy. Just, you know, quit being a dick. <laughs> And my school was just way too small to have really rigidly defined cliques. Yeah. They were there. Right. But probably, like, yeah, not magnified like this. No, no, not at all. Because there was, I graduated with 39 other kids. Wow. Yeah, so we got probably. So there's, it's less cliques and more like there's a couple groups. And right. it's not like they're super against <laughs> each other. Everybody has known each other <laughs> right. since they were in diapers. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, we've got dirt on you. What do you you what don't you not understand? <laughs> anyway, what they're doing, these dudes, they're revealing the game to her, right? Because they're passing the playbook around. <laughs> the, all the the scores. And on top of it, right, as that's happening, they're revealing the point system and how everybody's involved. And they start taking digs at her friend, Lisa. I'm like, damn, they are that's so dirty. Cold blooded. Damn. I mean, even for high school, that is super cold blooded, dude. The shit they're saying, Zach, he, he's like, uh, something about splitting her in half. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, that you guys are fucking dirty. Anyway, the sex tape is playing on the monitors at the party. They're antagonizing her, and then, you know, I like the warble and all that stuff. That's another thing that almost feels even more real now with everybody having a fucking camera in their pocket. Mm. Putting everybody on blast. And that's pretty much what this is doing. They're putting horror on blast just to poke fun, mm-hmm. you know, just to, you know, get their little jollies off or what have you. But unbeknownst to them is our homegirls got telekinesis and they're fucking with the wrong one. They just fucking poured pig's blood on the bitch. Yeah. Boom. They just all it's signed done. their death warrants. <laughs> this rampage is good, right? It dude? is really good. <laughs> dude, this movie. Because I was like, all right. This rampage is fucking worth watching the movie for. All right. Before we get into it really quick, I do want to say this, mm-hmm. at least on my end, is when you see like the posters and stuff for this film, you always tend to see her with the outline of her, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm like, if you don't know anything about this film, and if you're trying to think that this is like a direct sequel to Carrie or any way trying to mimic or it's not, it's a little misleading is what I'm getting at, right? And it's advertisement. So when you do get to see this I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is gory. This is good. And that's what I'm saying. It's a little misleading because when you see her and stuff like that, it, it's hard to get a sense of who she really is just based mm-hmm. off that picture. And so it's a little, that's what I'm saying. It's a little misleading, but it has a really good payoff as I'm getting at. If you have apprehensions, what I'm getting at about watching this film based off of that, just watch it, man. It's, it's good. <laughs> it's good for its own reasons. And because of that, that's what I want to get at is when it kicks off, I was like, oh, shit, my notes start going gore galore because uh, homeboy gets head decapitated. Yep. Right? Then you get the two-for-one hot poker death scene. That's good. really good. I was like, damn, well, her character, not the actress, her character deserves it because it's like, all right, bitch, you've done enough. You you bring in trouble again. (laughs) Right? What are you doing? Same results happening inside. This time you happen to... It's kind of like Final Destination, right? You finally met your death. Death finally got your ass. 
Y'all can't see me, but I've just been shaking my head this entire time because Sue is just the the worst, the worst <laughs> in this movie, and so pointless. And it really, I mean, I get it, but she was unnecessary, really. But I mean, all it's doing is just kind of you know pushing this character Rachel into that direction. Yeah, and even she's then, feeding the fire, kind of barely, right? Considering because. She's she was kind like, of going this direction anyway, especially yeah. once the kids got involved into manipulating. I was just saying she didn't dad. really need that extra push. It just happened to be an extra shove. Yeah, <laughs> in the back. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Anyway, She's more so that we know that. Yeah, it's more her character it's exists just so that the audience knows that Rachel's related to Carrie. Right. Otherwise, it's just it's an afterthought. Honestly, it was to me. All right, two for one headshot. That was good. <laughs> Then you get the death by CDs, and I was like, oh. The CG was kind of weird. Right. But. Death is good. The death was good. Okay. This is what it reminded me of. Coincidentally, another film shot not too far from the location of this film, a little east in a town called Greensboro. Mm. <laughs> maybe from where they shot this film to Greensboro is about hour and a half, two hours maybe, somewhere okay. around that range. Anyway, that film is a film we talked about not very long ago. And that film was Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, because one of the oh. Cenobites <laughs> happened to be the CD Cenobite. And we talked about how often, if at all, will we ever see it? And I was like, well, hold on now. <laughs> this one is better. Yeah, not only is it better, but I was like, it's 90s. <laughs> it feels 90s as fuck. I was like, like I wow. Said, when I think of this movie, that's what I remember. Is it's like CDs. yolks on my face, because I didn't think we were going to ever see that again. <laughs> But no, in this case, it was really good because I was like, okay, that was really cool. And then the party gets set on fire, right? Mm -hmm. And then kids are running around and all that shit. And um, the jocks, Mark, because it's his parents' home or his home, he goes upstairs, he and Zach, they're trying to break into that, you know, shelf, whatever, case for the spear guns. And I'm like, now it really makes me think where where is this film supposed to be located, right? Because it implies that they're out there doing some kind of sea fishing or some shit spear fishing whatever so they have to be on a coast somewhere and arkham right so massachusetts that's what i was thinking yeah i know we joked about it last week but Which that makes a lot more, more sense more traditional stephen king country right like i say you mentioned it's further south mm -hmm. than traditionally where king sets his stories so i joked massachusetts but i might have been i might have been on that anyway they get the spears Rachel happens to be a part of it, and they get in that room, like the pool room. I kind of dug her really stepping good. up and being like, give me that. Yeah. Quit fucking around with this. We, we yeah. got fucking shit to do. Yeah, because her character, you know, we get it. She's mischievous, and she's conniving, and she does a good job for her part. And what I like is Rachel's reaction to seeing Monica, because that's Rachel Planger's character in this mm -hmm. film, having her finger on the trigger of that and that sets her off because what happens is probably one of the coolest deaths, in my opinion, in the film is blowing out her eyes and glasses. I was like... Into a... <laughs> Fulci would be proud. Dude, that was not only awesome, but then you get Zach Bryan's awesome death because when she's falling to her death, Rachel Blanchard, that is, she happens to like chunk her spear into Zach Bryan's junk and pull the trigger at the same time, blowing his shit out Maybe through his ass, yeah, something like that. 
His but tape. they they definitely connected some that was awesome. some sort of gore to the end of that fucking harpoon. That was good. And it legit looks like he gets his fucking nuts Shit. and fucking wiener ripped right All out of his it. fucking asshole. All of it. <laughs> I was like, damn. Was not anticipating that, but I really liked it. <laughs> that was awesome. And so that leaves Mark, right? And because Sue brought Rachel's mom to the party, Rachel's mom calls out to her, and, you know, it distracts her for a moment, and then Mark shoots her with a flare gun. <laughs> and, you know, she goes into the pool. There's a little moment there where she still is using her telekinesis. She pulls him into the pool. That tarp... Flunk. Yeah, knocks him for a loop. She gets out because now she can, she can use the spear or whatever to get out of the tarp, and he drowns as a result. Her mom goes over, and I'm like, man, this film... <laughs> Denies her basically, right? She has a Margaret White mm-hmm. moment where she looks down at Rachel and she's like, oh, You're not my girl. She's like, The devil's in you, you know, all that stuff. And then she runs off. What the fuck was that? Her mom just runs off. <laughs> and then she's like, uh, God, I just, I just want to die. Just please let me die. Before we get too far uh, past it, I enjoyed this pool scene. More than I did the American inside. <laughs> I can understand. <laughs> yeah. That's how bad those remakes were. Because this wasn't a great pool scene. It really wasn't, but I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah American inside. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they're unnecessary. But um, Jesse, Jason London, and Tracy arrive. And that kind of, you know, wakens Rachel back up. And then she uses her telekinesis like, all right, Tracy, you're done. Basically. <laughs> this, is what, <laughs> this is what Jason said. It's kind of funny. Is uh, Part of that roof or whatever that is collapses on Tracy. And then he goes over and tries to lift it up. And then she's like, no, 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 no. Sets no. that shit on fire. And he's like, all right, they're all dead. <laughs> Everybody's dead. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> like, no shit, Captain Obvious. <laughs> Tracy, for being the main that was antagonist so throughout this, yeah, done. That was it. That was like, all right. Honestly, that's probably the most realistic thing they did in this film. <laughs> honestly, like if you're gonna get rid of somebody, don't do like. I mean, we get it. Film does it for film's sake, carries the you know the movie along. But in if reality, you have a chance to just drop a ceiling on someone, you're gonna do it. If you got the power and you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. You're not gonna wait. And the third act. <laughs> she walks in. This is a one-act show, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I just that's hadn't it. seen you early enough. Now that I see you, you're Yeah, done. and that was that. So in film logic, it doesn't make sense, but in reality, it does make sense. So and the, you can debate that, I guess, in this film. <laughs> you know. Anyway, yeah, she has that, her untimely demise, I suppose. And they have another moment where, you know, Romeo and Juliet, in their case, it's like... I don't believe you. You're still a part of them. No, I really love you. Here's the book. Oh, hold on. Instant replay in New York. Let's go to Secaucus. <laughs> how, do, how does telekinesis enhance? Enhance. Right. He's like, no, I really do love you. Let's go to the film. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. She's like, oh, hold on. You really do love me. And then that's when the roof collapses once again, and she shoves him out of the way, and it falls on her. And you know, she's like, "You just need to leave." 
It's like, no, I'll die with you. <laughs> she blasts him. She did, she uses her telekinesis to blast him into the pool, so that way he can survive. She dies, right? year later, once again, this is a la, uh, I know what you did last summer, a la Carrie as well, is Jason London is in university. He's taking care of Walter, and he's in his dorm room. The window starts to open, you know, whatever, close it. And then she walks in, or crawls in, and you're like, oh, there she is. She didn't die. Cool. And they kiss, you know. And then she crumbles, and then he wakes up out of his nightmare. And then I do like the shot, mm-hmm. you know, granted. is You realize it's midnight, and I was like, oh, that's maybe they're alluding back to, like, Carrie being accused of being a witch, the witching yeah. hour. Yeah, yeah, Right, the mirror where Carrie has her mirror. This is a different case, I suppose, but... You get the picture of Rachel in the corner of Jason's mirror, and it's the infinite mirror shot. But also, if you see that sticker in the background, do you see that? It says uh, Infinity's Edge uh, or something like that, Edge of Infinity or some shit like that. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> they did that shit. But the whole point is, is like it's kind of leaving you with that Carrie ending a little bit, like the Sue Snell character waking up out of that nightmare. This is sort of just like bittersweet, like yeah. But in their case, because it's love, it's tragic, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he survived, but she's not dead. She's not back. She's dead, and he's burnt, and yeah, it's it's sad, but it's not bad. Like legitimately, so, everybody he grew up with is dead. I know all his all his dude bros. I mean, you know, he's in the university, so he can get some new dude bros. Mm-hmm. No big deal. You know, and his favorite, too, he's in university. At the university that was scouting him after the game. Now, for all the film buffs out there, here's another Stephen King connection. King's University. Why else would they name it King's University? Now, I will say this in Charlotte, there's a Queen's University because mm. Charlotte's known as a Queen City. Mm-hmm. So I know it has nothing to do with King's, but there is a King's College, believe it or not. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I actually enjoyed this film, man. Like I said, it, it's a 90s film. It's going to feel like a 90s film. I like 90s films. I grew up in the 90s. The cast is pretty good. The film itself, it surprised me with a lot of its its shots. Like, I like those black and white bits. Yeah, yeah. those look good. And like I said, it reminded me a little bit of American History X stylistically. Not, not the same film, of course. But yeah, it's a pretty good film. It's not bad. It stands on its own feet, even though it tries to connect itself. And it does to carry. It's still not carry. And that's good. Uh, that's one thing I like about it. It shares a lot of similarities, of course. But... Overall, not a bad film, dude. I don't think it does anything exceptionally well. No, not exceptionally. But it's fine. Like, yeah. it's no worse than any of these other post-screen oh, movies that we've already listed off. Like, uh, Out of all the films we've done, and we've done a shit ton, I would say this is nowhere near the bottom. No. And so if you're already in a mood to watch some of those, like yeah. I know you did last summer, or this, Urban Legend, yeah, or whatever. this fits right in, dude, really well. You might as well include this on the list because it's just as good. Totally agree. Totally agree. Like I said, and you have those recognizable faces. It's going to fit right in and you're going to feel right at home with it. And the Rampage is actually really good. That's what I'm saying. It surprised the shit out of me because, you know, in these cases, this is where a lot of films will drop the ball is in these final moments because then it's like, what the fuck Mm. are you doing? Little fact from the Rampage. I believe most of the Rampage was shot in sequence. Nice. Sort of towards the beginning, she blows out the windows. Yeah, I read about that. <laughs> the fake glass actually cut her up a bit. Yeah, so be, from I, that point, use, like, from that point forward, they never show her back. Yeah, like I read that they had to shoot that like three different times because one, she like 
blinked and so, another one she moved or some shit. But yeah, when they blew out the glass, some of it cut her up. Yeah, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'd be doing a huge disservice because I sent it to you in a message. I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, her hand? Oh, my God. What was that? I've never seen anybody hold anybody's other neck like that. She had a Scary Movie 2 hand going there. <laughs> just, well, yeah, yeah. If you're going to watch this movie, then just look out for oh that moment. Oh, my gosh. When, when I loved it. Fucking Emily and Jason. Jason go in for a fucking kiss. Yeah, it's like right towards the end of the film. So you'll know it when you see it. The hand, the old chicken wing. <laughs> she chicken winged his ass. This really doesn't work very well on a fucking audio. I know, but still, it's hilarious, man. That was one thing I I had to send it to you because, like, I'd be, a new, I'd be doing a big disservice if I didn't. But yeah, like I said, overall, dude, this film is actually pretty good. And uh, yeah, I mean, so far, two for two in the carry run. I've We're probably going to take a break. I'm not, I'm highly not opposed to that because how much more can you say about Carrie? Because the next ones are pretty much straight remakes. Yeah, for the most part. I have an idea okay. on how to approach those. We'll figure that out, and we yeah, we will again, return Nicole, for we're, sure. We're very grateful for the requests. We're just not going to make an entire contiguous month of it, right? But I have an idea for how to approach those other ones. Yeah, because like I said, I'm not opposed to revisiting it whatsoever because I'm enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. Plus, I really wanted to watch the Chloe Grace one when it came out, and I just never got around to it. So Likewise. this is like the yeah, perfect excuse. She's been in some really good films. Mm-hmm. We're not unfamiliar. So we have to figure out what we are doing next, but we're going to interrupt this just so we can <laughs> we can plan a way to bring more to the table using the same concept once again. Absolutely. So in order to listen to whatever we decide on doing next... Please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. That'd be super fucking cool. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, like the whole world is around on algorithms, we want to be up in those. We do. So that like helps out. Tell people. Tell your mom and Also cool. We dig that. Also, you can always head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Check out our entire back catalog there. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us, squirmcast at gmail.com. As you noticed, we do take requests, so it might help to reach out to us. Just going to point sure that does. out and helps us out as well. And also while you're over at the website, if you click the links up at the top, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Listen to the other shows over on the network. I talk about nerdy shit over on General Nerdry all the time. And you have the boys over at the Art of Wargaming who mix war treatises with modern day wargaming such as Bella Garth and Warhammer 40k. Another show coming soon. The editing is done. There's a little bit of post-production being done. So word balloons coming soon. More nerdy, legendary listening for from your verm find us fried squirms across all the social medias we occasionally put things up on there yeah, i've been time pretty time. i was doing good at doing more on there and then i just fell off a fucking cliff but we're okay. doing we're it every now and then so exactly just look out for us yeah do i have anything any you? no you already mentioned earlier we do like recommendations if you have suggestions for the show and or if you're a filmmaker and you have a film that needs some eyeballs, let us know. We'll always enjoy reviewing films of that nature. So, yeah. That's it for this week. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. out.